Welcome to AMD Tech Talk, your source for the latest in data center innovation and insight on AMD's latest technology breakthroughs. And now here's your host, Jim Green. Thanks for listening today. Our guest is Joe Peterson, and we're going to discuss cybersecurity and the critical concepts and practices of trust. Joe, thank you for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me, Jim. Pleasure. To get us started, can you give us a quick sense or two on your background and your role at Clarify 360? Sure. I am the Vice President of Cloud and Security for Clarify 360, and I'm the Chief Analyst at ClearCheck Research. All right. So you get to, to play in a lot of different ponds. Fantastic. We should probably put this topic on the table right away, given how ubiquitous the focus on AI is across the industry and even in the public consciousness. How would you say is AI changing cybersecurity for both good and for bad? Yeah. So lots of good ways. Look, I'm a glass half full girl. And I think that, you know, AI is the hot topic du jour. You can't go on any tech talk or read a tech journal, right? Without hearing about AI. But the, the fact of the matter is that many organizations have been baking AI into their technology for many years. And security is one of those organizations. And I see it in a positive light because AI comes into a security product and it actually helps with volumes of data. So, for example, if you've got an overworked SOC team, I can be baked into a product that they're using and help cut down some of the noise, right? It can, um, part of the problem with proliferation of alerts is that people are human beings and people look at, they start to t tune out the noise of an alert. And so what happens then is they tune out, then the vast majority of alerts are nothing, nothing really bad happening, right? But then there's that one that sneaks in there. That's a problem, right? And because this poor one overworked individual is trying to check every dang alert that's coming up, he misses, he or she misses the, the, the one that's of significance, right? Mm -hmm. So AI can contextualize that the smartest, the best part of AI can not only tamp down the noise, but help contextualize some of those alerts. I may be ranking them mm -hmm. in order of importance, right? So maybe this alert is really super important. So we're going to code it a certain way. Maybe we're going to make a sound to go off in a certain way, or we're going to color it a certain way so that the analyst knows this is a real problem versus just kind of, oh, hey, you know, move it around noise, right? So, so I think that a highest can, that can be, can be a really helpful tool if it's used properly, if it's trained properly, yeah. right? Bad side of it is that the bad guys are getting some help to be smarter. And if we look at something like ransomware, um, you know, it's pretty reasonable assumption that AI has contributed to the recent rise in attacks. In fact, I was reading this stat from Corvus Insurance, and they're citing that there's a 95% year-over-year increase in ransomware in 22 versus 23. So you got to think that 
something's happening to help the bad guys along. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty significant statistical coincidence there, isn't it? Uh, I love the glass half full side of that, especially. I, yeah, we all could be aware of the bad stuff, the, the risk. But, you know, if, if anyone's worked in security for any time, it's, it's always like, oh, I need more data. I need to see what's going on. I need more data. And, and at some point it says, I have too much data, right? And it's, I need help sorting out what's the real data, what's the, the important stuff versus just throw another alert on the pile, right? That's um, and that that's a super interesting opportunity. So yeah, it's good to see AI really taking a rightful place in, in helping bolster that and, and solve some of the human side of the challenges that are uh, in the literally billions of events that are happening in a computer network any given day, right? As we look, as we move into to 2024, we're starting to see the intersection of generative AI, cybersecurity, and digital trust. How do you see that playing out in the enterprise? It's exciting. AI is going to be one of those tools that help companies differentiate mm -hmm. and help them maybe service customers better, right? And we're starting to see that happen. Um, you know, there's the other side of the equation, right? Technology always flies ahead of actual laws on the books and yes. regulatory landscapes. And the landscapes try to, the regulations and, and the frameworks try really hard to keep up. So what I see happening, both from a vendor perspective and from a corporate perspective is, and I view it as a time for leadership, right? You can... You can set your flag in the ground and say, we're going to be ethical in our use of AI, whether that is a vendor or an enterprise. And we're going to be proactive and we're going to set up guardrails and we are going to look at frameworks like the NIST AI risk, manage frame, risk management framework or RMF. And that's really a good starting point. And that's going to be a guiding light for us because it's going to be a common organizational language that we're going to utilize, establish as a conversational base. And we're going to use that as a way to show a commitment to be ethical and safe. So I think it's a time for leaders to step forward. You've got the right background and you've really got the opportunity to be the sounding board and advisor just to a lot of different companies, given your uh, role in the industry here. But what guidance do you give? As you mentioned, it, it's kind of a, a race, right? And, and the regulation standards are, are trying to catch up and keep up and, and everything's evolving really quickly. Um, do you get a lot of the questions from people saying, hey, where do we start and how do we build the KPIs and build the, the right metrics to make sure? I mean, most people will, or probably want to do the right thing, we'll assume. Are they literally looking for that? That's why these taxonomies and frameworks and uh, guides are, are so important. They are looking for it, right? They want, absolutely. I Again, you know, I believe that, like you, people want to do the right thing. Organizations want to do the right thing by themselves, by their employees, by their customers. So this reminds me of, you know, I started doing cloud really early. I started doing cloud in 2009. It was very wild westy, oh, yeah. right? You remember it. You're shaking your oh, head. Oh, yeah. So you, you remember <laughs> Every discussion you, you had to say, oh, this is what I mean by cloud, right? Because <laughs> everyone's definition right. was different. Yes. Everybody's definition. So this is the same thing that's happening. We're seeing a repeat of that. Mm -hmm. And 
folks, you know, part of the reason that I, I got so interested in security was I was doing, I was a cloud architect and I was seeing security not baked in the front right. end. I, I was seeing security as an afterthought because people were like, oh, wait a second, this, this doesn't behave like the <laughs> on-premise stuff that we have, right? Yeah. So that was what was happening. So I think that it's time to breathe and pause and think about, you know, what are the most important AI projects that we want to do first, right? Instead of a list of 15, maybe we have a list of five mm -hmm. that are really important. And then, you know, just because it's, it's shiny and exciting, which tech people love shiny and exciting, they do. Um, what is this going to affect and, and how are we going to approach it? Here we are 15 years after cloud was really, you know, introduced and it's a teenager now and we still have people. I, I had a gentleman that I talked to this morning that was still, he said, well, you know, if cloud is crawl, walk, run, we're still between crawl and walk 15 years later, right? So why? Why would we think that AI, which is a relatively new technology for enterprise, would be any better off? Yeah. So it's, it comes back to the basics that you learned as a young manager in tech, um, as a young engineer, you know, what, what's the ground rules, mm -hmm. you know, what, what do we need to do here to make this work effectively and efficiently? And I think you said it in your question, measurement. How am I going to measure mm -hmm. it? And we were kind of, you know, I like the NIST AI risk framework. I like NIST theory, but there's a map function within NIST, within this framework. And in case folks aren't familiar with it, the map function it sort of establishes context to identify risks related to an AI system. And those risks could include things like reputational damage, that might arise due to the misuse of the AI systems that would je jeopardize the digital trust of the organization. And the measure and map function requires organizations to identify sufficient metrics to demonstrate, to demonstrate that the AI system has been tested from a lot of possible angles and map the risk and context of the AI system, right? And so the idea here is to promote transparency, to increase confidence, um, that everybody's on the same page and looking at things the same way. And I think that's a good place to start. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I did have to chuckle because this solved the problem for us back in the cloud days when they gave us the definition of cloud that everyone could use. And, you know, they're really good that's at right. putting those critical metrics in place. And again, now, cause now you could bridge for what you could do in almost any type of cyber system, right? Uh, sure. you can now take it into an AI world, which is. Uh, a good common baseline uh, and set of assumptions and gives people a practical model that they know how to uh, understand here. But one of the commonalities here, and we're starting to hear the, the, the use of the phrase root of trust when we talk about cybersecurity, certainly, and, and AI, for our audience, what is a hardware root of trust? Oh, well, okay. So hashtag nerd girl here, right? That's right. <laughs> I'm glad all that school that I went to is paying it off, right? Um, <laughs> a hardware root of trust is really a foundational element 
on which all secure operations of the computing system depend. And why is that? Because it contains the keys used for cryptographic functions and enables a secure boot process. So if I lost you in the first, you know, five words there, I'm sorry. I apologize. But, you know, it's inherently trusted and it has to be secure by design. And the most secure implementation of a root of trust is in hardware and it makes it immune from malware attacks. So as such, it can be the standalone security module or implemented as a security module within a processor or system on chip. Right. So whew, I felt like I was taking yeah, an exam that was good. there. I it was so. really good. It, it, it is, it, it's an amazingly simple, but incredibly deep concept, right? It does have that nuance of, wow, it's so simple because it's so foundational, yet it's cryptographic, it's mathematical. It's got, you know, it's got all those concepts baked into it, which is, a, uh, it, it's super cool here. So why does trust or root of trust matter? Is it more valuable in your in your view in terms of protection against threats or about the ability to demonstrate compliance or some combination? I think it's, you know, AI is evolving. And this concept, word of trust has been around for a mm -hmm. long time. But, right, it has. But I think now we're starting to take a step back and go, okay, what's real? What's not real? What are we going to use as our basis for air quote real? Right. And so that again, we're all dealing with the same thing, talking from the same language. And it's becoming really increasingly important, evolving regulation and compliance mandates. Yes. So I think that, you know, the goal is to get everybody on the same page. And like we talked about cloud earlier, Speaking the same language, so we know what we're dealing with. Mm -hmm. So, in, in the AI machine learning equation here, it is secure cryptographic process. I mean, do you want to do cryptographic processing in your AI engine? Um, and is it important who manages the security and trust of that system? Yeah. So, so let's kind of step back a minute because. This is newer stuff for some mm -hmm. folks. Other folks, they're old hats at it if they've been using it a while. But if they have it, AI ML can be thought about, at least in my brain, I don't know how those folks think about it, but in two distinct and essential functions, you've got training and you've got inference, right? Those are probably very common camps of where things end up. And both are vulnerable to different types of security attacks, right? So the security challenges that you encounter with AI ML workloads can be addressed by implementing data confident, confidentiality, integrity, and authenticity. And this really needs to happen at the main stages of the AI workflow during both training and inference. So high value training data sets need to be protected not only from theft, but from so-called data poisoning. So we Think about things like encryption with integrity and that being essential to keep training data confidential and unaltered, right? So we want the data to be that we're using. We want to know that it's, it's valid, it's accurate, it's honest data, right? And then the encryption keys must be unique to the customer and used in a secure environment. So if we think about a customer 
than maybe is in a walled garden situation where they've got their corporate data and they're super worried about their corporate data as they should be, but they would like to take advantage of maybe one of the public, you know, um, AI, right? They want to make sure that their data doesn't go somewhere that it shouldn't. So they have to think about, well, maybe we can bring this new stuff in, but we don't want our stuff going out. And so how do we make sure that everything's safe and where it should be, right? It's really, you really have to think through that. And, and, and we talked about it earlier, the policies, right? There was something that happened a couple months ago that showed up on the news where there was no policy that was in place and some smart engineers uploaded some stuff into a place they shouldn't have, it shouldn't have gone, right? And all of a sudden the company then comes up with a policy after the fact. So maybe we want to think about what we want our people to access and put out there before it becomes an issue and everybody reads about it. Yes, uh, learning about it in the Wall Street Journal is not uh, how any manager wants to uh, to, yeah. to understand where, where they had no. a process breakdown, right? <laughs> not with their cup of coffee in the morning. No, no, no. <laughs> hey, got the CEO on line one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We mentioned hardware root of trust, and there are there are multiple approaches to implementing these based on you know where where you are in the ecosystem and, and how you do it. What are some of the pros and cons of a programmable hardware root of trust? Because that kind of spans um, the world it, between software and hardware. Yeah, it does. You know, it's interesting, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's interesting um, the things that have sort of evolved over time. Attacks and attackers are always finding new mm -hmm. ways to exploit critical vulnerabilities across this wide range of applications and devices. I think we can all agree on that. Um, a programmable hardware-based root of trust can be continuously updated to contend with that ever-increasing range of threats. So a programmable hardware-based root of trust is really a key component to protect against, you know, host processor compromise, um, non-volatile mem memory key extraction, maybe things like corruption of non-volatile memory or fuses, um, probing of external buses, man-in-the-middle and replay attacks, a number of things because it's always being updated. So that kind of is a nice middle ground to maybe some of the older mm -hmm. hardware roots of trust that were available well, in the past. Right. So that's the difference. Very interesting. I, I love a good security discussion. This has really been a great, a great discussion, Joe. So thank you. Where can folks find out more about you and, and some of the concepts we talked about today? Oh, well, find me on LinkedIn. Um, I post, um, I post, Security cat videos. Ooh, yes, I do. Wow, I know. I, I um, I'm I'm rather easily amused, and I post a daily, um, you know, security theme that we all should know about, but with a cat video. So there's that. Um, but besides that, um, yeah, find me on LinkedIn, and and I'd love to have a chance to connect with you. Fantastic. My thanks to Joe Peterson of Clarify Three Hundred and Sixty for joining us to share perspectives on security and AI, and so much more. Uh, it's been a really great discussion. Thank you for having me. And thanks to you all for listening. Until next time.
Thanks for joining AMD Tech Talk. Find out more about the technologies discussed today at www.amd.com.